Uh, we've been on a series talking about new things, all things new, God making things new. Um, I'm going to start reading from Revelation 21, 1 through 5. Uh, this is the second to last chapter in the book. And it closes with this, with this passage. This is John speaking about what he saw, the Apostle Paul. I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. Okay, I can read. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people and he will dwell with them. They will be his people and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning. Maybe the next slide, we could get the next slide. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. And he who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. That's Jesus is the one seated on the throne. And he's saying, I am making everything new. And then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and true. So our Bible, our scriptures end with this declaration about all things being made new. God likes to make things new. He gives us new heart. There is a new covenant. There's new wine. There are new garments. We are new creations. We get new mercies every morning. Thank you, Jesus. We sing new songs. Everything about God is like renewal, renew, restore, rebuild, renew. Even our bodies, even our bodies are constantly being renewed. I just looked this up because I'd heard this before and I was like, is this true? Did you know that your body makes 3.8 million new cells? Wait, no, no, let me back it up. 330 billion cells per day, 330 billion new cells per day. At that rate, your body is making 3.8 million new cells every second. 3.8 every second. Isn't that mind-blowing? Science, love it. Don't you love that the metaphor in the Bible one of the, the most important metaphors we have is the blood of Jesus. It's what bought us. It's what heals us. It's what cleanses us. It's what redeems us. And that every second is new. I love it. Think about creation. So God made our very bodies to renew themselves. But think about creation. We're so sad when our reefs, our coral reefs die. That's what they look like. But when they have a moment to rest, when they're given a break from production, when they're protected from production, what happens? They start to recover and they start to look like this. It's wired, we're hardwired for renewal, for being made new, for being new creation every day, hallelujah. So, 
Never forget that every day, that's what God wants to do in us. Last week, Aaron introduced our theme scripture for the next few weeks, all things new. Isaiah 43, 18 through 19. Do not remember the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Behold, I will do a new thing. Will you see it? Can you see it? Can you perceive it? Can you imagine it? So we know this is God's will for us. We know this is the plan for things to be made new. And yet <laughs> we are caught up in a cosmic battle, are we not? We have this enemy who is totally opposed to God's work in our lives, to renewal, to any part of our participation in this mission of seeing things being made new, to us being made new. And for this reason, whenever new things begin to happen, we can expect new resistance. Ah, I don't like that. <laughs> I'm gonna speak today about resistance to the new things that God wants to do. Whenever we do our freedom seminar, whenever we go through change, whenever our kids, you know, when they go from home to preschool or when they go from elementary school to junior high, those are always moments when it's time for a new thing to begin happening in their lives. And what happens? It's always in those moments of change and transition and the new thing that the enemy will try and get in and thwart things and mess things up. Whenever we try to move forward, and we know that God wants to do new things in us, we have this enemy who comes in front of us and tries to block the new thing and keep us from moving forward. Winston Churchill, on the day he became prime minister in the UK, it was the same day that Germany invaded France, Belgium, the Netherlands, and Luxembourg. And he opened his speech, you know, on his day of taking office, with this, he said, I have nothing to offer but blood, toil, tears, and sweat. What a way to start your service. Victory, however long and hard the road may be. So he's like, this is our aim. Our aim is victory. We know it's new life. We know it's things being restored, cities rebuilt, but the road is gonna be long and hard. Sometimes in our life of faith, it's easy to sugarcoat the challenges and dismiss how hard faith and this journey together can be. But if we do that, when we do that, when we cover it up, we each in our own isolated world, world start to despair and give up on the goals that God has for us. Some people didn't like Churchill because of his message. They didn't like I don't know, there were lots of reasons not to like him. But he was straight to the point, blunt. One woman said to him, if you were my husband, I would put poison in your tea. Yeah, his response back to her was, ma'am, if you were my wife, I'd drink it. Yeah, Churchill, <laughs> being point, straight to the point. I bring up Churchill and his speech because we need to have eyes wide open in our faith walk. We need to be honest about the resistance and the challenges we face. 
Paul, when he's writing to the Corinthians about the importance of forgiveness, he says we have to do it because in order that Satan might not outwit us, for we are not unaware of his schemes. Paul's saying if if we're not aware of how the enemy works, we're going to be outwitted, but we're not. We know what the schemes are, and we are going to resist them. So today I'm speaking about resistance, new resistance to new things. I'm going to start by reminding us about the old things that God wants to do, the things that don't change. And then I want us to talk about being aware of the temptations that when we step into new things, and then I want to describe what that resistance looks like. So what are some of the things that don't change? We know that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So there's something about the nature and character of God that never changes. And that brings security, doesn't it? It brings me so much security. But there's a lot about Jesus, about God and God's character that doesn't change. But today I'm going to focus on one mission, one one aspect of it. Um, I've been watching a documentary about forgeries, about a man who um, forged just dozens and dozens of historic documents. And the way that they finally discovered which documents he had forged and which ones were the originals is they they had a stack of original documents and um, that they knew for sure were original documents and they just poured over them to understand what they looked like. And then they took this man's documents and started comparing and contrasting the two piles. And sure enough, every one of his documents had a cracking in the ink that none of these other documents from lots of other sources came from had. That's how they identified what was not historic and original and what was. So we're going to look today at Jesus's historical mission, at the mission that was prophesied by the prophet Isaiah, and then we can compare and contrast. What are things that would be outside of that? But we're just going to start with that so we have that original source document in our head. Isaiah 61, speaking about the Messiah, this this was a, a prophetic word about what the Messiah would look like. The spirit of the Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort All who mourn, provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them crown of beauty instead of ashes and the oil of joy instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planning of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. And you... You all will be called priests of the Lord. You will be named ministers of our God. So that's this original plan of the new thing that God is going to do that the prophet Isaiah talks about. It's good news for the poor, healing for the brokenhearted, freedom from captives, prisoners being set free, justice against evil, comfort for those who mourn, praise instead of depression, God's people strong and beautiful, like giant oak trees. 
cities rebuilt and restored, a people who are priests and ministers living lives night and day, day and night of extravagant worship and intercession and prayer and service. This is what the book of Isaiah prophesies. This is the heart of our God, the word of the Lord. And you see the theme throughout scripture from the garden of Eden to when the Egyptians um, have the Israelites captive and they get to go into the promised land. And then again, when the Israelites find themselves on the way to Babylon, they have this mission. They have this original document. This is what the Lord wants to do. This is who God is. This plan never changes. Later on, Jesus is born. He comes in when we're all cap when God's people were captive to Rome and to religion. And he's like, I'm gonna do a new thing. But it might sound like old news, but I'm doing a new thing. How does it begin? Aaron spoke about this last week. It begins by going down to the river and being baptized. People left their villages, left their synagogues, left what they knew, and they went down into the waters and were changed and were washed and something new is happening in the river. Jesus was prepared for the new thing and everyone heard it when the father said, this is my son, something's happening. So what happens next? Jesus goes out into the wilderness. The Holy Spirit leads Jesus out into the wilderness where for 40 days, Jesus doesn't eat anything. He's in quiet. He's in solitude. He's in the wilderness. And on the final days, Satan comes to him with three temptations. He's weak and he's tired. It's time for this new thing. How many of us, we work forever, we wait and wait to get to the new thing. By the time we get to the new thing, we're like, I'm too tired for the new thing. <laughs> I'm not, I'm too tired. And there Satan comes in. And I'm gonna just summarize this part of the story. There are three things Satan tempts Jesus with. You need to provide for yourself, make bread from stones. You can do it, Jesus. I know you're hungry. Just provide for yourself. Jesus says, no, my bread is to do the will of the Father, to hear every word that comes out of the mouth of the Father. The next thing Satan tempts him, with, tempts him with is all the kingdoms of the world. Satan says, I can give you power and authority and control over all the kingdoms of the world if you'll worship and collaborate with me. Jesus says, no, I only worship and serve the Lord. And the third one, the third temptation is demonstrate your power, Jesus. Throw yourself off the roof of this temple. Throw yourself off. And, and then let's see what happens. Show yourself. And Jesus says, no, I'm not going to test God. So there are three things, three temptations. When we get into the new thing, temptation to provide for ourselves, Temptation to take control and authority and temptation to demonstrate power and show ourselves, prove ourselves. Jesus says no, and the angels, they come and they minister to him. So there are angels that can come and minister to us. Luke 4.13 says that when the devil had finished all this tempting, he left Jesus until an opportune time. <laughs> Was it all over? No, blood, sweat, 
toil, tears. Ah, Churchill, we don't want to listen to you. We have to be prepared that the enemy is always waiting <laughs> for the opportune time. He didn't leave Jesus alone. Why would he leave us alone? I know this isn't good news, is it? <laughs> the good news is Jesus is with us through this. And Jesus went through this before us, with us. When we're set apart by baptism, when we've gone down to the river and we've set apart, we've declared publicly, I'm going to be involved in the new thing. Be prepared to be tempted with the same temptations. But Jesus says, no, God is my provider. God is in control and is the authority. And God will, it's by his power, not by mine. So now we're going to move into Luke 4. I'm going to read um, quite a bit from Luke 4. After the baptism, after the wilderness temptation, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Spirit. That's how you get the power, <laughs> is by being in the wilderness, going through the baptism. No, that's, I would rather sing and shout and just have an anointing. No. We get it from being in the wilderness by making it through temptation. He returned in the power of the spirit and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues and everyone praised him. Then he went to Nazareth where, Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. He stood up to read. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it was written. He found the old thing. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of the sight for the blind, to see the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then Jesus, he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began saying to them, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. All spoke well of him and were amazed at the gracious words that came from his lips. Isn't this Joseph's son, they asked? Jesus said to them, surely you will quote this proverb to me. It's like Jesus knows what's really going on behind the scenes. Physician, heal yourself and you will tell me, do here in your hometown what we have heard that you did in Capernaum. Truly, I tell you, he continued, no prophet is accepted in his hometown. I assure you that there were many widows in Israel in Elijah's time when the sky was shut for three and a half years, and there was a severe famine throughout the land. Yet Elijah was not sent to any of them, but to a widow in Zarephath in the region of Sidon. And there were many in Israel with leprosy in the time of Elisha the prophet, yet not one of them was cleansed, only Naaman the Syrian. All the people in the synagogue were furious when they heard this. They got up, drove him out of the town, and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him off the cliff. <laughs> but he walked right through the crowd and went on his way. Let's unpack that a little bit. What to look for. 
when God is making things new in your life and in the life of your faith community. News, news spreads through the whole countryside. (laughs) Everyone praised him. People are going to notice. People are going to talk. There will be chatter. Yada, yada, yada. Some people will approve. Some people will praise you. Some people will be like, "Eh, I don't know. There's chatter. Beware of the chatter and attention of people. Remember the temptation to demonstrate your own power or credibility. Be sober when it comes to attention. Because one day it will be praise, and the next day it's going to be rejection and resistance. Our enemy tries to use the praise and rejection to derail you if possible. Beware and don't give in. Does that happen to anybody? Anyone experience that? One day they're happy with you, the next day they're mad at you. What is the mission God sent you on? Who are you? Move forward in that. Listen to what God is doing. Do you not perceive it? Do you not see it? Tune into what the Lord is doing. Another thing that happens, remember who you are and what you're about. Jesus, when he, re- when he started this mission, Jesus had been around for 30 plus years, right? But he comes and he's starting this new thing. And what does he do? He says who he is. He says his purpose statement. He remembers who God designed him to be, who he's created for. He he reminds himself of the old words, the old things that God has put on his heart. Good news for the poor, healing for the brokenhearted, freedom for captives, prisoners released from darkness, blind eyes open, justice against evil, comfort for those who mourn, praise instead of depression. We need to be a people who remember who we are. Pull up the prophetic words that God has given us in the past. Remember the scriptures that God has given you. We've got scriptures that our friends have given us that when we hit those hard times and we're, when Aaron and I are in times of transition and we're like, oh, we don't know what we're doing next. We go back and we pull up those old, those old psalms that mean so much to us, those old prophetic words, those old dreams. And we say, okay, Lord, here they are. How are you going to make this old thing new? Because it's not going to look like it looked back then, but it's still your word that's faithful today. How are you going to make this old thing new for us? So when we as individuals and as a community are setting about in new things, let's remember who we are and who God's made us to be. By the way, we got the same mission as Jesus. (laughs) Good news for the poor Blind people, blind eyes open, prisoners released from darkness, justice against evil, comfort for those who mourn, praise instead of heaviness and depression. The third thing that happens, isn't this Joseph's son? (laughs) Wait a minute, Jesus, who are you? Aren't you Joseph's son? You're too familiar. You're too old. You've been around here. We already know your MO, Jesus. Who do you think you are? Isn't this Joseph's son? 
sometimes we have a hard time believing that the familiar can become something new. Not sometimes, I, I always have a hard time with that, to be honest. When, some, when God is doing something new, I'm always like, we'll see about that. <laughs> I don't know. And hey, we got to be cautious and have boundaries and all of those good things, right? But is there space in our lives to believe that God can do something new in someone's life? I recently heard a testimony about somebody in their 80s who just said, in the last few months, God has totally changed my life. And unfortunately, my reaction is like, what? How can you be 80 and God changed you? Like, that's just so messed up that that was my gut reaction. I'm confessing my sin. <laughs> Every day. God is renewing us every day when we take a minute to pause and get a break and allow the blood of Jesus, allow Jesus to do a new thing in our life. We can be as young or as old as the most, whatever, wherever. We can be the most prodigal. Remember when we talked about the people, the most distant and the most dangerous in the most um, dark places, it doesn't matter where we're at. Like Kelly Joe spoke today from the prophecy mic, God's love is ready to renew us and do a new thing today. So why, why do, if God, I want that God to do that in me, why would I judge someone else? I have, it happens all the time. I have a friend in, in her family. Um, she's, she escaped from dark, dark cycles of abuse, dark cycles of violence, just really bad family dysfunction. God redeemed her, brought her out of that, made her a new creation, did something new. And yet her family's like, no, 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 that can't be. You can't be new. You can't, no, no. And they just heap insults and meanness and just bring it all back in again. And yet my friend, she, she, she brings others into redemption. She brings others into new things that God wants to do. She persists. She doesn't give in to that thing. Isn't this Joseph's son? Aren't you the same person you've always been? Isn't this just who you are? No, no. Don't give in to that. That's resistance. Don't give in to it. So today, I'm praying that if you're making the effort to get out of some bad generational cycles, if you're wanting to stand strong in the new purposes and the new things that God has for you, and if you're making an effort and to move into something new, that you would be like Jesus. What did Jesus do? He walked right through the crowd and went on his way. You know, the World War II, I just told someone this the other day, that's from World War II in the UK. Keep calm and carry on. <laughs> it came from that era. Keep calm and carry on. There's resistance on every front. Walk through the crowd 
and be on your way. Allow Jesus, allow the Holy Spirit to take you by the hand and move you forward. So I want to review the things to watch out for when you step into the new things of God. I want you to get them. I want you to think about them because the enemy surprises us, but we don't want to be aware of his schemes. Beware of the temptations to provide for yourself, to take control and authority, to demonstrate power. This is to protect ourselves, right? Beware of those. Jesus is your provider. Jesus is in control. Jesus has all the power you need. The second one, be prepared to be sober about people's attention and opinions and all the chatter. Be prepared to remember who you are and how God created you and your mission. Be prepared to walk through the crowd, be on your way. When people say you're too familiar, nothing new can happen through you. Don't believe it. It's a lie. I want to read from 1 Peter 5, 6 through 11, and then we're going to switch into something we want to do today. 1 Peter 5, 6 through 11. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Stand firm in the faith because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace who called you by his eternal glory in Christ after you have suffered a little while will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. And then to him be all the power forever and ever. Amen. This passage just speaks about us humbling ourselves, trusting God to carry us through in time to the victory, to the new things he's called us to do, casting our cares on him because he cares for us. Because he's going to do a new thing. He's going to restore and make us strong. I want to finish today um, with, we, I asked a few, a few people if they'd be willing to give. We're going to rely on the Holy Spirit to operate in the gifts of the Spirit, to give us words of knowledge, gifts of prophecy, discernment, healing. I've just asked a few teams. If you guys want to come on up, these teams. Um, I've just asked a few people, let's see what the Holy Spirit does in us and let's give us new words for a new day. Jesus, when he was going through that temptation, when he was getting ready for this new thing, he told Satan, he says, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. When we're doing a new thing, we're asking God for new words, new, new vision, new confirmation of the old thing, new ways of seeing the old thing that God wants to do in our lives. So I want to invite you all up today to come get a new word. Get new, new bread for the new season, new confirmation. 
And we're just going to trust God to give us what we need to carry us through into this new thing. Jerry and Carolyn are also at the prayer table. And so they also can do this for you. So we have more than enough people to speak to all of us in this room if you would like that. If you are online, um, we, Aaron is going to have you meet on Zoom. So we've even got a team and Kelly Baudet is standing by from her house as well. And so if you're online, go to zoom.us and then enter that, that um, number there. And on Facebook, you can see that number there. Now, this is only going to happen for the next, I don't know, 20 or so minutes. I don't know, 30 minutes, however it takes. So if you see this later on, you can call us or email us and we'll pray for you. <laughs> but um, for those of you online and for those of you here, I just want to finish with this, with a chance to get new word from the mouth of God for the new thing and just encourage us not to give in to new resistance. So let's pray. Um, you can go ahead. So Lord, we just thank you that you are doing a new thing. New songs, new garments, new eyes, new ears, new words, new bread, new mercies. I just speak your blood and your covering and your protection over people listening, over this community, that as we step into new things, we will not give in to new resistance. That we will press through and push into the new things that you have for us. So I thank you for this time. I thank you for every person listening, no matter where they're at on their faith journey. I just want to shift and say to those of you listening, no matter where you're at, God has something new for you. Receive it. It's so good. Even though it's hard, it's good. So Lord, we just bless this time. I thank you for each volunteer that I called to recruit for this. I, I pray that you'd give them fresh words, fresh vision, fresh, fresh ways of speaking and ears to hear you, Holy Spirit, as we wait on you for new words. In Jesus' name, amen.